If you have your Bibles this morning and you would find Mark chapter 6, as we have been going through Mark chapter 6, and uh, I won't recap all of the chapter just for the sake of time today, uh, but there's been some great ups and downs, some uh, victories, some loss, some rejection. I mean, it has been a lot in chapter 6. But when we come to chapter 6, verse 45, we uh, have been talking about the storms of life, the situations of life. But in verses 45 through 52, we see the actual storm that the disciples go through. And when we started this series, I told you that I thought there were three reasons that God brings storms into our life. There could be more. Uh, I do not have every verse in the entire Bible memorized. Whether I, well, while I like to think I usually can find where I'm looking at, but I don't know everything in the Word of God. But what I can find are our three. The first is, you look at the story of Jonah. Jonah was living in sin. God sent a storm to correct him, to bring him to a place of repentance and returning. In the book of Acts, we see the Apostle Paul is a prisoner, and he tells them, we can't be sailing. It's not the time. God says if we sail, it's not going to go well. And yet someone else in his life did not listen and obey the word of God. Paul's faith was not the issue here. Paul told them what God wanted. Paul was faithful. So sometimes God has storms of protection. Sometimes God has storms that he's trying to reach other people. And then the third storm I think we see in the word of God is this one right here. You could also find this very same uh, situation in the book of Matthew chapter 14 and the book of John chapter 6. You see these miracle, this event recorded. And this third storm is that God is preparing them for what comes next. You see, the Christian faith is one that we believe that the faith that God wants to give us is a relationship with Him. And so we know the Bible teaches that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. You're saved by grace, through faith, not of works. But what has happened with that message is people have decided that if we just say a prayer, then I got my name in heaven, I've got my mansion built for me, now I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and I do not have to have a relationship with God at all. And the Bible never teaches that, by the way. The Bible always teaches you that when God saves you, He makes you brand new. And He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And He is going to use you with heaven in mind. And so we see here that God is working in these men's life because even though they've been around the miracles, even though they've been around all the blessings, it's still not sinking in. I want you to notice that when we stopped last week, we were looking at how Jesus had fed up to 25,000 people and there were 12 baskets left. I can just imagine as the disciples are told to get on the boat, they're all talking about, can you believe what just happened? Can you imagine just what they had seen? And as they're getting on these boats, they're probably discussing, that was amazing. How did, how did these few little loaves of bread and these few little fish feed all of these people? They're probably each carrying their basket, right? Man, and look what I got. I got lunch and supper and breakfast. I mean, I've seen how some of you are after you eat. You would have been excited. 
And so they get on the boat, they're excited, they're, they're fired up. It's just a one or two mile uh, boat ride just across the edge of the sea. And so you can imagine everything was like it was supposed to. They were expecting no difficulty, and yet the storm came. And friends, this morning I want you to know that if you are in that point where God is blessing, God is working, God is doing everything the way that you think you would like for Him to, as Adrian Rogers says, enjoy the ride. Enjoy this time of great blessing. Enjoy what God has do. Be thankful. Don't be one of those people that's always looking to be martyred. Don't, look, don't be one of those people that's always looking for the next disaster, the next shipwreck, the next storm. If God has blessed you, be thankful. But know that there is a storm coming or that you have gotten out of a storm or the person you're sitting next to is probably in a storm. And so today as we look at this, it is so important because the Bible tells us that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And let's be honest, most churches could care less about each other. They have no desire to sacrifice or to weep or to give selfishly to those in need. Life's busy, I get it. Last Friday night we had seven games, I think, in one night. Yesterday it was five. Our life is crazy, life is busy. But yet we must never forget that God has us here for a purpose. And that is to love Him and to love others. And so when we come to this passage of Scripture today, I hope that it will be an encouragement to you for when you go through the storms, when the people around you are going through the storms, because friends, we live in a sinful and broken and messed up world. I would encourage you to shut your television off and open up your Bible to see what God can do in your life. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, I want to read this passage so that we can understand what's going on. Immediately, He made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while He sent the multitude away. And when He had sent them away, He departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them. Don't miss those three words. Four words, excuse me. Then he saw them. Straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves. And don't miss these last few words. Because their heart was hardened. Pray with me. Father, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he loves us and that he died for us, Lord. That we are thankful that your plan was to send him for us. And so this morning, Lord, I pray for anyone in this place that is not here today that it knows you. Lord, that they would repent of their sins, that they would call upon your name. 
Lord, for those of us who know you, Lord, we pray that you would help us to love you and to focus on you and to seek you, Lord. And for those today, Lord, that are in the middle of the storm, we pray that you'd encourage them in a way that only you can. And Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of all of my sin. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you will, first thing I want to show you from the text today is we see what God was doing during their storm. We see what God was doing during their storm. Because let's be honest, when the storm is raging around us, that is the first question that I always ask. God, where are you in this? God, I feel alone. God, I feel abandoned. God, I, I, I just don't see what you see. And so let's look here in verses 45 through 47. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. Now this is important because if you read ahead, when they get to the other side after the storm, everyone who touches Jesus is healed. There are miracles, there are deliverance, there is so much when we look at next week that is going to happen. And so God wants them to go to the other side because he has a great work to do. There are hurting people that need to be ministered to. And so that's why he says immediately. Why? Because God is a God of compassion. God cares about the brokenness. God cares about the pain. God cares about lost people. God cares about the situations. And so he says immediately we're getting across the water. But John tells us that Jesus knew that it was getting close to the time they were going to start trying to arrest him. And so he makes the decision while they go that he is going to go pray. One for himself. We see this same prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, Lord, if this cup can pass from me. He is praying for strength. He's praying for encouragement. Why? Because he was fully God and fully man. And while he never sinned, he had the same struggles that you do. The body grows tired. The body grows weary. The emotions of life grow heavy. You say, well, Jake, that can't be true. When Jesus looked out over Jerusalem, if you remember in the book of Matthew, when He saw them, He wept and said, oh, how I've wanted to draw you to Myself. So He goes to pray for Himself, but He also goes to pray for who? Them. One of my favorite things to do is study the Word of God on Jesus praying for us. Hebrews describes it like this, talking about how God works in the middle of our life. In Hebrews chapter 7, we know that God is always making intercession for us. My salvation is secure, not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done, is doing, and what He will continue to do. And so in Hebrews chapter 7 it says, But He, because He continues forever. Don't miss this. Because Jesus always continues. Because He always will be. The salvation that He gave you will always be. When someone says, Well, I don't believe you keep the salvation that God gives you. What Hebrews says is, Then you have to believe that Jesus isn't God that He doesn't exist forever, that He is not going to last forever. These verses connect the fact that when God saved you, He will keep you to the very existence of who Jesus is. And so if Jesus isn't God, then yeah, you can lose it. 
If Jesus isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever, you can lose it. But if He is not God, then you can't be saved. If He isn't God, there is no hope. And so, but He, because He continues forever, has an unchanging priesthood. An unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. And so when the storms of your life are going on, whether they are sin that you have brought into your life, whether it's the sin that someone else has committed that's brought the storm into your life, whether it's the the preparing that God is doing for what comes next, the number one thing you need to remember that God is doing is He is keeping you saved. When your doubts, when your fear, when your anger, when your hurt, when your bitterness, when you are struggling through the storm of life and you feel that there is no way that God could love you, what Hebrews says is He's still making intercession for you. He's still keeping you saved. He still makes you right with Himself. And He does it what? Always. Friends, that is why we need to run to God in our brokenness. Run to God in our pain. Run to God in the difficult times. Because He is working in us. He is working in our lives. He is trying to draw us closer to Himself. But it's not just salvation that He is praying for you about when you are in the storm. One, look what it says in the book of John chapter 17. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. When you are going through the storms of life, God doesn't want to take you home and take you out of it. Jesus says, no, I want to leave them here. I just want, Father, you to keep them from the evil one. Keep them from allowing Satan to devour them, to destroy them, to hurt them. Because look what it says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now this is very important, because Jesus knows that He's going to the cross. He knows that he's, He's died, He's going to bury, He's going to rise again. But what He says is, I'm not of this world and neither are they. That's why when we look at our lives, we have to always be reminded that whatever we go through, whatever we struggle with, that this is not our home. This is not the goal. This life is not the victory for the Christian. That comes when we leave this world. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Every hope and promise and dream that we have as a Christian is built and wrapped around the place called heaven. Yes, do we have blessings on this earth? Absolutely. Yes, do we want God to work and move and do great things in our life on this earth? Absolutely. But nothing God does here outside of salvation can ever compare to what it is going to be like to be with Him forever. To be in His presence. To enter into a place where there is no sin, no sickness, no death, no tears for the former things as the Bible says, has passed away. And so he prays, God, he says, Father, I want you to be with them in the middle of things, but don't let them forget that this is not the goal. Because he goes on and says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified 
by the truth. In the storms of life, God is keeping you saved, but He's also trying to make you more like Jesus. Sanctification is the Bible word, the religious word that we don't use very often, but it is Jesus making you more and more like Himself. That means the way you think, the way you live, the way you believe, the way you trust, the way you walk. And so He is keeping you saved. He is changing you. And third, when you're going through the storms of life, how is He praying for you that you could be used to serve others? In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus again praying for others. I do not pray for these alone, just the disciples. He says, I'm not just praying for them. He says, I'm praying for all the believers that come what? After them. That means today, if you're a child of God, this was His prayer for you. Now don't miss that. This is how God thinks about you. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that was the first century Christians and every Christian who has ever read God's word and believed that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us. And don't miss this. Here it is. That the world may believe that you sent me. When you are going through the storm of your life, God is praying and working out your salvation. He is praying and working out for you to be more like Jesus. And He is praying and working so that you can be a witness to other people so that they might believe. Why? Because God loves lost people. Jesus came, I came to seek and save that which was lost. The Bible says He is not willing that any should perish. And so what we see here is when God allows us to go through the storms of life, look up here. If I have a choice between a storm and easy sailing, I am choosing easy sailing every single time. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. I don't wake up in the morning and say, Lord, how could you hit me again? Never! I have never looked at a situation and thought like the Apostle Paul, Lord, whatever you bring, I'm okay with it. I am selfish. I'll be the first to admit it. But God has to remind me that my life is not mine. It is His. And while I am thankful that I am saved and the people that I love the most are saved, God doesn't just love my family. He he loves those who don't know Him yet. He loves those who are broken and a mess and don't vote the same way I do or think the same way I do. But not just that, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one. That the world, don't miss that again, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Twice, he says that while you're going through the storm, while he is praying, while he is working, that he is wanting you to declare to the world who he is and that he was sent by God. That's Christmas. That's why we're here. That God sent his son into the world. 
that He might come and save sinners. In the storms of life, God opens the door, even though it might not seem fair, it might not seem right, it might not seem what we like, but in the storms of life, God opens the door for us to be able to tell people about Jesus that we wouldn't have any other time. And what we see is Jesus praying for us to be faithful that we like to say yes when we ask them out. All of us wants to hit the winning shot in a ball game. All of us wants to hear cancer free. But friends, there are times when that doesn't happen. There are times when the job that you love lays you off for no fault of your own. There are times when the girl that you like starts dating the guy that's your best friend. There are times when you get a call from a grandma or family member that you love the most that it's terminal. In those moments of life, know that God has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you, but yet He is working. He is working and moving. Something wrong? Everybody's looking at me funny. Dead in the water. Every time I finally preach a good sermon, this happens. Every single time. No. just stay up on the mountain praying. He doesn't just stay up there uh, away from them. No, it says that he saw them. Look at verses 48 through 50. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. Don't miss this. Jesus saw their struggle, saw their problem, but yet he was also willing to go to the other side to accomplish what he could accomplish, but he knew their faith was struggling. Friends, you need to know this, that God sees when your faith is struggling and does not just walk by. That's why the Bible tells us that if we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. I know that many of us don't like to ask this question or think about this verse, but the Bible says you have not because you... So many times we blame the problems and situations in absence of what we think God is doing in our lives based on some big cosmic plan that He has that doesn't care about us, but yet the Bible says you have not because you... Friends, there are times in your life that God is willing to work and move and you and I are just not willing to run to Him. Our sin, our stubbornness, our struggle, our pain, whatever it is keeps us from Him. In verse 49 it says, And when they saw Him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out for all. They all saw Him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said with them, Be of good cheer. That means have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now this is very important because what is going on in this passage of Scripture is what? They have just seen the miracle after the miracle after a miracle after a miracle. Yet they're in a storm. They see something that should have pointed to God. But yet they immediately gave the credit to Satan. A ghost. 
Remember when King Saul went to the medium and he wanted to hear from Samuel? And the, the medium is surprised because Samuel shows up. And Samuel says, this is not of God. You, this is not what you should be dabbling in. This is not what you should be doing. But yet the people who were closest to Jesus in their time of need didn't think that he was the answer. They didn't think he was the one working the miracle. They thought the power belonged to someone else. And friends, what you need to know and remember is that God is the one who will show up when we need him if we will seek him. You say, well, Jake, I just don't see him. Sometimes you're like the disciples and I am. We don't recognize him, but it's him. Sometimes in the circumstances, in the situations, in the things that happen, we don't see him, but it's not that he's not there. We've just not met, caught it. We've just not embraced it. We've just not seen who he is. But immediately he said, be of good share. This word for courage has an ongoing meaning. It means to be courageous in the Lord continuously. Not just put on your big boy pants in the storm. No, be trusting God always. Do not be afraid. Now, if you've read this story in the book of Matthew, you probably recognize right now that something else happens in this story. There's a person who wants to get out of the boat when they recognize finally who it is. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. He doesn't say, Lord, it is you. Lord, I know it's you. He says, if it's you. Command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, this is how little compassion I have. I just said, you wanted to get out of the boat, deal with it. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus let him get out of the boat, knowing that his faith was weak, knowing that his faith was doubting, but he knew that he could rescue him. And this morning you need to know that when you're struggling, when you're weeping, when you're broken, when you're failing, God knows that, but he also knows that he is able to rescue you. And so when God says step out, we step out. When God says move forward, we move forward. When God says I want you to do this, we do it. Not because we know that we can, but we know that He is able. Friends, that's the Christian faith. I can't keep myself saved, but I know that He is able. I know that I cannot win the spiritual battles in my life with my own strength, but He is able. I know that God can't, I can't save anybody. But I know that if I will seek Him and I will pray and I will witness that He is able to save to the uttermost. 
You see, friends, that's what we have to be reminded, that not only was God praying in the storm, not only did God come to them in the storm, but that we see the last thing today, that God knows the doubts and fears in their hearts. We see that God knows the doubts and fears in their hearts. And this morning, God knows the doubts and fears that we have. Then he went up into the boat. So he shows up to them. They don't recognize him. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, he gets out. He sinks. Jesus rescues him. And then they all get in the boat. Can you imagine that moment? Peter looks like a wet dog. They're all covered in this storm. I mean, they've been rowing. They've been stressing. They've been straining. I mean, they're covered in water. They're covered in sweat. They're exhausted. And here he is, stepping into the boat. The last time they had saw him, he was feeding the multitude. Everything was going right. Everything was celebrating. Everybody was as good as they could be. Full bellies, right? Full blessings. And now they sit here weeping, broken, and exhausted. But friends, the same Jesus that met him in the blessing, met him in the boat. And the same Jesus that walks with you on the mountaintop, walks with you in the valley. The same Jesus that goes through the good times with you, is going through the bad times. The same Jesus who is... Watching you celebrate the blessings is watching you shed tears in the brokenness. Don't miss this. Then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. This word for hardened means rebellious. What that means is they had enjoyed the blessings, but they still didn't really know the blesser. It's one thing when God feeds you from being hungry. It's another thing when God saves you from drowning. It's it's one thing when God keeps you from spending 200 denarii to buy food. It's another thing when God keeps you from spending your life in the bottom of the sea. I don't want you to miss this. Just if you've listened to nothing else. Their heart was hardened. You say, how could they not get it? How could they not understand who he was? And the love that he had for them. And the compassion. How could they not understand? Because the Bible says we all sin. And fall short of the glory God. Friends, we don't seek God on our own. He is the one who loved us first. He is the one who starts the work in our life through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that softens the heart. He is the one who reveals the light. But friends, this morning the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to see the blesser or the blessing? Are you going to see the saving in your situation or the Savior who has came to you? Are you going to see how God provides or are you going to see Him as provider? 
Now, most of you have been here a long time ago. You, you understand this. But if you look on these banners around this building, you will see the different names of God. And underneath most of them, you'll see what it means so that you can understand it. The Lord is my shepherd. God most high. The Lord our righteousness. The God who sees me. You go to the fellowship hall and there'll be banners back there. And the same is true. Why? Because if you don't know him, nothing else matters. And what he was trying to do to the disciples was to get them to realize that the greatest thing about life is not the blessings that he gives or that he takes away, but it's him. And friends, what worries me the most as a pastor is this. This church and every other church are full of people who love the blessings but don't love the blesser. You say, Jake, how do you know that? I have no special revelation from God. God didn't show up in my dreams last night and say, that one's a heathen, that one's not. But what I can tell you this is, if you've lost your desire for him, there's a problem. If you've lost your desire to worship him together with other people, there's a problem. If you've lost your desire to read the word of God and spend time in prayer, there's a problem. If every time something happens to you, God is the one to blame, there's something wrong. The old saying is, right, that just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian is absolutely true. But I think it also should be said that anyone that is truly saved, I don't see how you can't go. Reading your Bible does not make you a Christian, but I don't see how anybody that is saved can't want to read the Word of God. Because why? When you know Him, you really know Him. And you know what He's rescued you from. You know what He's saved you from. Friends, you were on your way to a place called hell before God saved you. I was an alcoholic. I was a mess. I was broken. I was hurting. And God reached down in the miry clay and pulled me up. Everything I have is based on who God is. Not on my righteousness. Because my righteousness is vomity rags, the Bible says. But friends, the moment you get over who He is, and what He's done for you, and how He's rescued you, and how He's saved you, and how He's provided for you, friends, you're in a dangerous place. And so this morning, the answer is, when He steps in the boat with you, worship Him. When he feeds you in the abundance of food and blessings, worship him. When you have nothing to say because the pain is so real, worship him. When everything is going as good as it possibly can be, worship him. And friends, if you can't worship him, then you don't know him. Today, he wants you to worship him. And he wants to walk with you. Wherever you are, whether it's in the storm, whether it's on the mountain, whether it's on the grassy hillside, he is a God who seeks, he is a God who pursues, and he is a God who will love you if you let him. He proved that on Calvary, 
by dying on the cross, taking your sin and mine, being buried and rising again, saving all who are willing to repent and trust in Him. Father, we thank You so very, very much for Your Word today. Lord, You knew that we would be in Mark chapter 6 when we needed it. Lord, whatever needs to happen this morning, Lord, we know that you're the answer. Help us to see you, Lord, in our tears, to see you in our joy, to see you in all between, Lord, that you're faithful. So, Lord, today I pray for whatever needs to happen in this place, Lord, that you would do it. Lord, let no one leave here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, truly understanding who you are. And so, Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.